0: the exhaust notes podcast what is good everyone welcome to the exhaust notes podcast my name is nick ingvall i'm with my guys todd and rowett to talk about canada the grand prix of montreal and we'll get into checo perez's long stroll through the forests and the hazards that might have been there apparently but how you guys doing
1: the real journey is the friendships that we make all along that path (laughs)
2: I've been running through the six of my woes. A fa- famous Canadian once said. Yeah, what Drake does has woe stand for too.
1: again? I'm sure you two hip dads would tell us. Well, Nick is a dog dad. I don't want to give him the miracle <laughs> of life just yet. But I thought woe was an acronym for something. I have, I have no idea. Okay. Well, Drake, no, if a, you ever wanted us to send you the invite, here it is. We'll let you come on exhaust notes just so you can tell us what woe means. And what
2: money you lost betting on the wrong driver for that Grand Prix that weekend? That's a
0: that's a good that's a great question. I, as far as I know, woe is short for Woe Day, which is a southern thing because he came up with Lil Wayne. Oh and that's a, a, shorty, a New Orleans. Shorty Day. Yeah.
1: Working on so. excellence. I just looked it up while Nick was glamping. Woe is my crew. It stands on uh, stands for rather working on excellence. It's just my whole brand and my whole movement and my whole way of life for everyone. I want everyone to work on excellence. So all my friends are my woes, and I feel anybody working on excellence in life is a woe in life as well.
0: So does that mean plies is little working on excellence plies? he says a little woe plies, right?
1: I I guess my favorite rap acronym was Memphis Bleak because Memphis and Memphis Bleak, if I remember, is making easy money, pimping hoes is shit. (laughs) And then Bleak is just his actual name. But let me confirm that as you two keep chatting.
0: We've gone down. We've gone down quite the rabbit hole.
1: (laughs) Hey, you said 930 at this rate. It might be 930 a.m. Nick, I'm sorry to give everybody a little peek behind the curtain.
0: All good. It's all good um so unfortunately we don't have any reviews to read so if you're listening to this and you enjoy the shows that we've been putting out it'd be super helpful if you just head over to itunes apple podcast as it's called now and leave us a review won't take you but a couple minutes um other than that let's 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 just get right into to the whole list of of how the race went and then we'll get into the, the specifics of what we want to talk about
1: I'll go ahead and just read off the results. If you guys have any bon mots or witty one-liners, keep them to yourself. No, I'm kidding. Just go for it. But at first, we had Max Verstappen in the Red Bull in first place, followed by everybody's favorite Spaniard, Carlos Sainz Ferrari number two. Then we have the British back-to-back attack of Lewis Hamilton and George Russell, both repping the German team of mercedes followed by Charles Leclerc, the prodigal son of Monaco and Ferrari in fifth place. Esteban Ocon, AKA Ratatouille, AKA Remy, AKA my guy is in sixth place for the Alpine Renault. And then number seven, based on a penalty, actually Valtteri Bottas followed by his teammate. What's his name, Todd? Joe Guan Thank you, sir. And speaking of teammates, Esteban Ocon's teammate, Fernando Alonso was in ninth place because he was the one that actually received the penalty. So I misspoke. And then, Drake's favorite Canadian racer, sorry, Lance, uh, is Lance Stroll. I meant to say sorry, Nick, but following that up, we have Daniel Ricciardo in 11th, followed by Sebastian Vettel in 12th, Alex Albon in 13th, Pierre Gasly, going back to the slide that we had kind of talked about in previous episodes, on 14th place, Lando Norris in 15th, Nicholas Latifi, the aforementioned Canadian, in 16th, and Kevin Magnussen in 17th. And the remaining three drivers, Yuki Tsunoda, Mick Schumacher, Sergio Perez, all went for a walk in the woods. Where do we want to start, guys?
2: I think Nick said he wants to start with the American shambles known as Haas. It's been a while (laughs) since we shit on them, I
0: think. I mean, yeah, but we got to give them some credit here. You know, fifth and sixth on the grid after qualifying, they looked pretty good. And, you know, I'm I'm still holding on hope. That mick gets his first points this season so uh but yeah As it
1: makes scored points we're waiting for somebody to either make that a twitter account or a website that was the general consensus in the pre-show meeting
0: yeah definitely but they look good and then they just tanked so i don't know i don't know what to think
1: do you guys think mick schmook uh mick schmook mick schumacher is one to fuck smash a door because i don't think that's in his dna no he's too polite he does
0: seem like a nice guy he's too polite
2: he Like you'd hit him in the face and he'd be like, oh, I'm sorry, did you hurt your hand? Like he's just that polite.
1: <laughs> well, it is the Canadian Grand Prix, so it's only fair that he would react that way. Sorry, hey, eh? sorry, my fist got in your way <laughs> or my face got in your way, your fist. I mean, he's got to be he's got to be
0: like deep down competitive, though, right? Otherwise, he wouldn't have made it this far because he is talented, regardless of his namesake and maybe the help he's gotten along the way.
2: Yeah, he's... I think was a...
0: Wow
1: We just had Cut. a
2: cat attack Live on Sorry. the
1: podcast Yep, please keep that in That would be the funniest thing in the world <laughs> <laughs>
2: And scene uh, Yeah, no, Mick's super talented And Has had A really bad stroke of luck this season Some of it self-inflicted Slapping a couple walls But like he was super competitive in F3, F2. He won the F2 championship last year. Um and I think he is a really talented driver in a bad car, but he's like really showing his like rookie colors this year by being overly aggressive or you know making rookie mistakes whatever you want to call it. But he is he is super talented and he had an amazing qualifying being right up there what was it i think he was in p6 and k mag was in p5 mm-hmm. um and the haas really had some some pace this weekend um it's <laughs> i mean well, i guess we'll get into to haas but like they, they just whenever they do something good they screw themselves and yeah they- no go ahead Row.
1: No, I was just going to say, they are the epitome of one step forward and two steps back. And as much as we like to make fun of Gunter uh, Steiner being Michael Scott, you do eventually want Michael Scott to have his Holly, have his trip to Colorado. And I don't know if it's going to be Schumacher scoring points. That's great. I think he's replaced everybody as uh, he's replaced Yuki Snow as everybody's second favorite driver this year, because I think people just want him to succeed. He is very likable. He hasn't had said anything controversial that's divided opinion. It's just... To my friend Todd's point, it just seems to bite him in the worst way imaginable. And the thing I always thought initially was, okay, we're truly going to see the measure of the racer bringing back K-Mag. And K-Mag's had his way with him, I would say, for the first couple rounds. But Mick is slowly but surely putting up a fight. So it's not necessarily a pre-forgotten conclusion that Mick is not meant for this F1 world. Because I think he is. So there's... If you're
0: talking like... Drivers that need a new car that, not that, let's let's just bottom four drivers, right? Mick is arguably in the bottom four, or is it just the car?
1: Mick right now, in terms of the driver standing, is in 19th place. He is only in front of Nico Hulkenberg and Nicholas Latifi. And from a constructor perspective, they are currently sitting... In ninth place as well.
0: So, is there any way that he has a chance at another seat with any other team? If if it's the car that's the issue, if I mean, obviously he's going, he's got some learning, you know, growing pains to go through. But assuming a year from now he's got it all together and he's in a Haas car, he's still at best middle of the pack, right? Unless Haas really turns things around and if if not is there another car that he can even is there even another seat that's considered you know for him on the grid
1: i think he may get a legacy seat at alfa romeo depending on how my favorite driver is doing and he's my favorite only because i can't pronounce his name right now is uh joe guanyu
2: guanyu joe
1: god damn it all right
2: one uh, yeah. the the b- Pronunciation was correct, just flip-flopped it. Excellent.
1: Thank you, Yates Todd, for giving me that confirmation that I needed that I am <laughs> pronouncing these correctly. That's the only way I could see him moving to a team. I don't think he's good enough for Ferrari. I don't think, well, would he want to go to Williams? Because they're the only team worse right now. No.
2: You, you were spot on with the seat. The Alfa Romeo legacy. Well, he's a Ferrari. He's part of the Ferrari Driver Academy. He is the son of one of the goats in a Ferrari. Like everybody wants to see the Schumacher name back in a Ferrari. Um, I I think up until recently, uh, it was very possible for him to be on his way to that alpha seat next year. Uh, But our friend Joe is having a bit of a run here uh performance wise and um it's possible he keeps that seat for next year. I would have two races ago, three races ago, I would have said no no shot, but he he's on his you know, he's on the right right path. He's got points. Um I think well this is his what? second race in the points. second or third. Um but he's yeah, he's performing well now. So I think, if anything, Mick stays in the Haas next year. He brings in sponsorship dollars because of his namesake. He is talented. Haas is they're not the laughing stock anymore. I think that's taken by the Williams. Um as far as Paul is right in the world. Yeah. Well it's not really. Like I would I being an old school fan, like I still think of Williams as like the, the top team. They're besides Ferrari and McLaren, they're the oldest team on the grid. Sure. So like I, I want to see him do well. I I like the, the back in the 90s, like Williams and that Martini yeah. and Rossi yeah, color car. Like I
0: want to see that yep. again. Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting because I I mean I know that Alpha the Alpha team is, is performing better and potentially it'd be interesting to see Mick alongside of of Botas, but I just don't see any reason for him to move. I feel like that's almost a lateral move in a sense because as much as Haas has struggled the last 2 years or what whatever it's been 2 years? No, 3 years of struggling, right? But but they came in really hot and I think that the potential in the Haas car along with potentially some new sponsors, remember they're they're still in the midst of all the weird your, you know the weird sponsorship with the Russian uh your fertilizer alkali. company that shall not be named yeah, yeah. And, and so like I could almost see them looking at, at next year as a totally fresh start with new sponsors and you know new livery new look and feel and that does a lot for I mean you know like when it looks good when cars look good I think the drivers you know yeah. they they feel better about it
1: It's the Deion Sanders uh, adage of if you look good, you feel good. If you feel good, you play good. So totally get it. To me, I think he should stay at Haas because if he goes to Ferrari or he goes to any sort of Italian presence, the media is going to eat him alive and I think the German press has kind of treated him with kid gloves bar the bad pun if you will where he's Michael Schumacher's son so they're not going at him let's say if he was any other German but I think that going into any sort of Italian setup is going to not really do well for him because inevitably that microscope is going to turn on him and it's going to be a question of why isn't he as good as his dad he's got the last name so he should have some of that talent so stay American I don't know I I think
2: historically, he's always done better his second year in a car. So, like, F, F3, he had kind of a weak year. His second year in F3, he did really well. First year in F2, second year in F2, he won it. His first year, in, this is technically his second year in F1, but it's a brand-new reg, so it's like a first year kind of again. Um, so I'm giving him a little bit of leeway. Not going to, like, say good, bad, or indifferent. He is making rookie mistake still, which is, is not great, but, uh, you know, he's, he's pushing the car and he's trying and, you know, it's, he's not Latifi, I guess. It's the best positive (laughs) I'll I'll put on that. But can we talk about K mag for a second? Do it. Because, oh my God, does he have a hard on? He's just like, anytime he gets around Hamilton, he takes a blue chew and he's like, Oh, I'm going to run into you. He did it in Spain. He tried to send it around the outside. He did it again in this race around. He tried to go around the outside of what was it? Turn three, four, that chicane, which is you don't send it around the outside there. There's the other driver is going to take the line that gives them the fastest speed through that corner and it's going to go all the way to the wall. So why do that? And sure enough, he goes, tries to send it around the outside of Hamilton. And Hamilton kind of nudges his wing with his tire, whatever, um, which I don't really put any blame. In Spain, there was a little bit of blame on Hamilton. This one, I don't put any blame on Ham- Hamilton for. Um, and then he gets the uh, the meatball flag, as they call it in auto racing. It's the black flag with the orange circle on it. They call it the meatball flag. But that means that you have something broken on your car that you need to come into the pits to try to fix. Uh, it's the same thing we saw in Baku with Yuki's rear wing, um, but he just ruined his race immediately just by like it's a long race. You're on the first maybe second lap, I think, and you try to send it. Like, I, granted, you know, try to get track position early. I understand all that stuff, but you're you're not racing the Mercedes in real life, right? They're like they're like Formula One point five. You're Formula One point seven five. Like you're racing for. Fifth and sixth place at best. You're just trying to stay in the points. Don't do that. That was like an, just an, an idiot move. But what do you guys think about this? Is a thought I had. Uh, they showed him the meatball flag for his wing, which was like questionable, right? It was kind of hanging off, not really broken, broken, but like damaged. They made him come into the pits for that. They last race we saw Yuki his GRS, the DRS element on his wing, snap in half. He, they showed him the meatball flag for that to come in, but they ducked They literally duct taped it. They're like, cool. Send it back out on track. Like, is that even like, and the FIA didn't step in. Like the, the race directors, stewards, whatever didn't say anything after they duct taped his wing. Like, I feel like one, it was a little harsh to show him the meatball flag for, uh, just a, a damaged wing that wasn't like flopping necessarily. And two, like they got to be a little bit more consistent there. I guess. What do you guys think? Should they have shown them that flag? And I feel like I've said meatball too many times in a row. Should they have shown them that flag? And, and what do you guys
1: think about K Mag's actions?
0: I think we should get Subway eat fresh as a sponsor.
1: There's so sure. many damn new subs. Sub places, firehouse subs, monkey <laughs> subs. Like I I felt like that one was a little questionable. I'm like, I don't know if I can go into this monkey sub. But I think it's one of the...
0: I mean, I, I do immediately regret saying Subway yeah. as, a, as a sponsor because I'd rather have just about any other sub Jersey on the planet. Mikes, you know.
1: Quiznos still has a couple outposts, but this isn't sub history or sub notes. This is exhaust notes. so I'll try to get us back on track, so to speak. <laughs> I almost think that... Maybe because of the fact that they aren't necessarily contenders. It's almost like, you guys go ahead and figure it out. We don't care about what you end up doing. We're I mean, like, we only care about the top eight drivers, but I don't know. And then the other thing with regards to the duct tape, if there's one thing engineers love and they love talking to people about their love of this, it's duct tape. So it was one of those things where I'm like, okay, speaking of hard-ons, there you go. That we perpetuate that narrative of engineers and duct tape, but that's not the answer you're looking for. Nick will give you that, right, Nick?
0: i don't know how to follow that up you never do <laughs> uh honestly I, as if, if i'm the fia i see the duct tape and i'm like get that shit back in the garage and fix it because you look like a hack job you know i mean i get that sometimes that's how it works i've been in cars that have been held together by duct tape duct tape and zip ties many a times in my life but you know y- y- not when you're spending billions of dollars on a race car there's got to be a better way to 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 fix that um and you know most of the stuff on these on these formula 1 cars is completely swappable within a matter of minutes or or less right so i thought that was really really weird and it just looked lazy as far as the inconsistency between the two yeah i mean i don't know like I think part of it is just like, to your point, Todd, K Mag just being a little too aggressive around Lewis. And they were just like, we need to, we need to just get this guy. This guy just needs to take a seat, take a deep breath and, and get back to racing.
2: Yeah. I don't know. Like, it's, it's, uh, I thought it was a bit of a shame. Like, the reason I, I see it differently, cause it's granted, it's the same thing, right? It's pieces falling off the car. You don't want it to like puncture a tire or, God forbid, like, hit a driver in the face at high speed. But, like, one, if a front wing element comes off, it usually, like, skips, flies off the track or whatever. Uh, the DRS part of the, the wing is a lot bigger, a lot heavier, and probably has, I, to me, at least the potential to cause more damage by hitting a driver. The, like, wing element, worst-case scenario... It like flies off and maybe causes a puncture, which again, that's, that's can be super dangerous. We saw, but I I just thought it was early, uh, to, to call that because the, the way it wasn't like flapping around, it was just like bent a little, little crushed off kilter or whatever. But the worst part of that is when you get shown the meatball flag, shout out Subway sponsor us. Um, if you... You have three laps, I think, to pit Once you get shown that flag And so, sure enough, he pits Like right away And the very next lap Is Is when the safety car comes out So he, like, screwed himself twice Because everybody else got a cheap pit stop He got a super long pit stop I think it was like 30 a seconds long,
1: the... perhaps?
2: <laughs> anyway,
0: <laughs> that's enough about Haas Uh so, so I I, th- I think the interesting thing about the Yuki situation was that it didn't seem like loose and dangerous. It just seemed like it wasn't functioning properly. Was I misunderstanding? No, it cracked
2: in half. Like the upper wing, the upper part of his wing that, that opens the DRS. Right in the middle, it's there's a little hinge to lift the flap. That straight up cracked in half. So when he hit the DRS on the straight in Baku, one went up, the other one just stayed the down. One side,
0: yeah. So like, but it's still attached to the to the rest of the wing, so it's not like it's really going anywhere. It's just basically holding him down. I mean, it's just causing him more downforce. But like, I don't know that.
2: I to me that comes off easier at high speed than the wing or the the you know the front wing element does.
0: Yeah, you're probably right about that. Definitely.
2: Yeah. So, well, I mean, we can move on to. The battle that never was, because that's the biggest, the biggest talking point. We saw a very late safety car. Everybody got a cheap pit stop. The cars were all back bunched up, and Carlos Sainz was within a second of Max Verstappen for what felt like eternity. There was, I mean, how many DRS zones did they go through? Within a second, 12, 15, something like that. It was like the last 10, 15 laps of the race, at least. And he could just never get him.
1: That's exactly what I was going to say. I'm probably the biggest Carlos Sainz apologist in our little exhaust notes CU, like cinematic universe. But... That race could have been 70 more laps. Carlos isn't going to catch him. And that's what's the shitty thing about it. Because much like we want Mick Schumacher to score points, I want Carlos to get a podium and specifically get that first place because that's eluded him. And to me, similar to what we were seeing with Steph Curry this year in the basketball uh, finals, it's like it's the one thing that's eluding him that for whatever reason gives him that final credibility as being a very great driver. It's just, I don't know if it's a mental block that he had in this particular race, but I kept thinking this is going to be the lap. He's going to get him. He's going to get him. But is he too nice of a driver? Because that's one thing we've always heard about these Formula One drivers is everybody's an arrogant bastard. They go for gaps that aren't there because that's part of the job description. And the sample size I have is Drive to Survive, all these YouTube videos and following him on Instagram. The dude seems like a genuinely nice guy. And I worry about his future in that regard. I mean,
0: he, I definitely think he seems like overly nice and he is not aggressive in the right ways on the track. He's definitely taken some risks, but I think that nothing like, I mean,
1: it's 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 tough to even think
0: about it though, because Max is just like, Max is driving incredible this year. You know, like he, that car is top notch. He's in top form. I mean, I don't like you said, 70 more laps and and signs isn't going to catch him. But also. I think personally, I'm not saying that I would go out there and run somebody off the road, but I think that the. The guys that succeed in Formula One are the guys that are willing to push so far that they both lose occasionally. Right. And we saw it with Lewis and Max. You've seen it with all rivalries, right? Like every great rivalry the drivers have pushed each other literally to the limit and off the course in some cases and that that mentality is is not just about him being aggressive on the on the track to like potentially catch max it's him being it's him not backing down from max in any way shape or form and until he kind of pushes that to that level i think that he's He's just not going to be on the top of the podium.
1: Todd, if you can give me 10 seconds. The thing about it all was during qualifying, Sainz sent it, so to speak. He tried that aggressive tactic in his very last lap. It ultimately cost him his quality position or his grid position, but he more than made up for it. But yeah, I just kind of worry and slash wonder of what is the end game? Is this why Ferrari chose him as the second driver? Because he's ideally never really going to give Charles Leclerc a spot of bother.
2: I don't know about that I think he's super talented I think in certain instances He has been aggressive And is willing to push it over that line That that Nick was alluding to Um, I think he's adjusting to being in a front-running car He's also got like I'm not going to say Charles Leclerc is as good as Lewis Hamilton But he has the potential to be just like Botas was like always seemed to like be, you know, a day late and a dollar short when it came to going up against Lewis, like he would okay, very occasionally beat him in qualifying. Um, but in the race, he could never really match the pace, match the moves, whatever you want to call it. I think it's maybe a little bit of that with Carlos. The, the thing I keep thinking about is if, Charles Leclerc was put in that same position with 10 laps to go, fresh tires, right behind Max, safety car. Does Charles get past uh, Max in that situation? And you think, like, there's probably more of a chance for Charles to do it, but I still don't think it really would have changed the outcome. Somehow, the, the Red Bull... Was able to, which is known for being faster in a straight line, but maybe lacking a little bit compared to the Ferrari in the corners. Like the Ferrari's been known to be faster in the corners, Red Bull's faster in the straights, and and because of that, they're kind of neck and neck pace wise. Um, I, I think just overall, the Red Bull had uh, had their number a little bit this weekend. So I don't even know if Charles would have got past him, but I think if you know I had a bet, I would have bet you know I'd bet on Charles to actually get. He passed him. He almost got it. I think it was like the second to last lap. The lap he, yeah. Um, yeah, he almost got him or got close enough out of the hairpin in the last corner or whatever the last hairpin to get close enough on that second to last straight to like use the DRS to catch him and then overtake him. But he went too deep into that last hairpin and you know, lost a you know, big gap to him there. But It was a super exciting, like, finish to a race and, like, amen to this new regulation set because in years gone by, no chance that a a car can be within one second of the lead car for 10, 15 laps, whatever it was, uh, for, like, without burning your tires out. There's no way that those – they're going to last that long. So I thought it was pretty cool, but, uh, you know, bravo to Max talk about pressure for
1: that the last makes third the pressure at this point he was so calm behind that wheel but one thing i will say is what nick mentioned about dry going for a gap if i'm also contemplating the hypothetical situation that you just gave us todd in terms of if it's charles behind max he may not pass him but he's going to try to make a move and it's going to possibly result in both of them crashing and then there you go there's a start of a rivalry to which nick was kind of alluding to Carlos won't necessarily do that, but maybe there's something to be said about the fact that he has a self awareness to know that, Hey, I'm not a world winner. I'm a point bringer in the sense that as a second driver, I think your number one responsibility is just to supplement the points that your number one driver brings. And I think few are better than Carlos in that. I think we talked about it last week. Checo is probably the guy right now as a number two driver. I mean, I think
0: it's interesting because I, I, I would, Assume that Charles would 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 push Max a little more, right? But then I I look at like the results from this race, and Charles finished fifth after starting at the back of the grid. I can't imagine Signs making that much up in a race. It seems like he's. It's almost and and maybe it is just a mental thing where like once he hits that oh shit point, it's 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 just impossible for him to get over it in a race. But I I can't remember the last time he made up that many positions. You know he's had he's had some great races and he's obviously come back from some, you know, off you know off course and and you know even some you know obviously they've had a little bit of challenges here and there, mechanically and stuff. But I, I just don't see him as like the aggressive driver. You know, and I feel the same way about Valtteri Bottas. Right, like he. See He's a great driver, but I'm not saying that Carlos Sainz isn't, but there's just a certain extra, you know, like, I don't know, playoff Steph, playoff Kobe level to the guys that, that win championships. And I don't think either of those guys, regardless of the car that they're put in, has that full on, like, I'm here to beat you mentality as opposed to I'm here to win a race. And there's a big difference in that, you know, like the way that you drive, if you're out to to beat someone, it's much different than you're out to win a race because you think differently. You're more aggressive. You're you're, you know, like look at the way Fernando Alonso drives. That guy drives like he's out to beat everyone on the track every week, even in 12th position on the track. He's blocking guys that are three laps up on him and like, you know, that kind of mentality Although some people might not like it, to me, it speaks volumes to like the competitiveness of, of who he is and, and the rest of the grid kind of just doesn't show that. And I, you know, I'm sure there's lots of variables and lots of things that go into it. But to me, it, it like, it's one of those things I just don't see it with Carlos Sainz.
1: I don't know. I mean, to me, if you would ask me what is Carlos Sainz's number one quality as a driver, it's ironically just putting his head down and driving. And I'm trying to find the race where I thought he made up like 10 positions. I can't seem to find it. So maybe I've just imagined it hence me being the science apologist that I possibly am. But he always was a guy that the less you pay attention to him, the better he does because he truly has made chicken salad out of chicken shit on a couple of different occasions. But maybe this is the fact that Ferrari actually has a credibility to their title aspirations this year. And I'm not saying he's succumbing under the pressure because I don't think that he is, but he is a little bit in his own head. And I thought this was a drive in the right direction, but we're always as good as our next race. So I'm interested to see how he builds on this, because this might be the best position he's had all year. Was that fair to say?
2: I think they had a 1-2 in Monaco, I
1: want to say. Wasn't it Ferrari 1-2? That sounds about right. So I'll just go ahead and read through that. But uh, yes, you qualified and finished second at the Monaco Grand Prix. Yeah. OK.
2: But I want to switch gears because Nick just brought up Alpine. Let's talk about them. Holy hell, Fernando Alonso qualifying in the wet. First time on the front row of the grid in a decade. I want to say it was like 2011, 2012. It's the last time he qualified on the front row of the grid. That was amazing. Like, I don't know if if George's gamble p- putting on the softs actually worked in qualifying, then I don't think he would have been there. But damn, he just kept getting faster and faster. The Alpine was a rocket ship again. Um. But wow, did they shit the bed uh when it comes to the race? I guess it turns out that. I I don't know how true this is. Fernando said post-race that he had, like, they had, like, some sort of engine issue, like, 20 laps in, so his pace disappeared, and he said he was losing, like, a second or something on the straights. But, um, why the hell did they not pit them under the first safety car? That was the weirdest thing. So they had him out for, like, I want to say almost 40 laps on those mediums
1: or whatever in the beginning of the race, something like that. It felt like he was the last to take a pit stop, and even Ocon didn't necessarily take an early pit stop. Like he also kind of extended his pit uh, pitless streak in a sense.
2: Yeah, I I don't know what the hell they were thinking. Like, and then they, I think it was do the opposite to whatever Science did to get track position. But then they immediately had another safety car. I want to say wasn't there three in the race?
1: I was like like, mm -hmm.
2: yeah. I don't know, but like their, their pit strategy, obviously it wasn't as bad as McLaren. Maybe we'll get to them, but uh what the hell was, were they thinking? And then going back to what Nick was just saying about Alonso and having that killer instinct, <laughs> I feel like he's just like doing whatever he wants, because I think he, uh he finished the race in seventh, I think behind Seventh or eighth behind O'Connor.
1: He finished seventh. And then he took the five second penalty and he dropped down to ninth, I want to say. So that allowed both Valtteri and Joe to move up spots.
2: Yeah. And he got it for blocking Valtteri for weaving on the straights. So there's killer, killer instinct right there. He just does what he wants. Like whether it's a race start and he, you know, finagles and goes around the outside off track and like makes up places because of it or. Whatever, but I, I love him as a driver and everyone you could tell in Montreal was so super excited when he got out of the car and qualifying to see him on the front row of the grid again. I really wish it was another team that I was really hoping for a good result like Haas and their qualifying effort and then uh, Alpine's and their qualifying effort. I was really hoping for good results for both of them. Not totally, <clears throat> not just because I had. Alpine is my constructor for this week at fantasy. But I I really wanted to see a good result out of Alonso because it's been a long time since he's been fighting in the front. Um but what do you guys think about Alpine's efforts this weekend?
0: I mean, that was that that qualifying was ridiculous. It was like probably the most unexpected performance of the year so far. I mean, just
1: you kept waiting know for him to drop, and he didn't. Like yeah. That was the crazy thing about it. Yep, exactly. Yeah, uh, I look at it this way, right? I've heard legends of Fernando Alonso, because obviously in his prime, I was unaware of the sport. Let's just leave it at that. But you see these tantalizing flashes of brilliance, right? I always cite the Esteban Ocon win last year. That was predominantly due to the fact that Carlos Sainz was the greatest matador Spain had ever produced. It just he happened to be in a car that day. And now you see this and you see the, I would say, reckless, bordering on reckless attitude of, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to send this because I'm Fernando fucking Alonso. Sorry for the bad language. I'm definitely going to earn the explicit this week on the podcast rating. (laughs) But I will give you the segue that you need uh, in terms of wanting to talk about McLaren if you need it right now, Todd. Because my question, if I had to pose to Otmar, is who do you consider your closest competitor? Because At this point, they know they have the self awareness that they're not going to touch the big three, but McLaren is spinning out of control. And I think that fourth place can be there for the taking if they continue to build on results like this, because I would almost make the argument that they are the gap to Mercedes Banana Republic in terms of just getting the results that they need by not shooting themselves in the foot.
2: Is this where I sob about?
1: Yeah, try to make something out of that word soup. You're going to be such a good improv uh, person after this podcast, I'm sure.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, as bad as their uh, pit strategy was, Alpine... uh, And I have to shout out uh, Travis in the Discord. (laughs) Like, during the race, we were all chatting, obviously, in the Discord. Shout out. Join us. Come talk to us during the race. It's really fun. Uh, But he... (laughs) He had a really nice burn on McLaren's, And he said, oh, Ferrari's uh lending their pit crew to McLaren this weekend. Because holy hell. So they pit on the first safety car. And there was some miscommunication, according to Andreas Seidel. But they had a slow stop for Danny Rick. I think it was like 9 to 12 seconds, something like that. Because the right front stuck, whatever. And then uh, he pulls away but they double stack so lando's sitting there waiting for jenny rick to leave and then lando pulls in and his tires aren't even there they pull <laughs> oh my god rohit for the listeners just pulled out a book by ross braun uh called total yeah, this, competition this
1: is the ex- the Exhaust Notes Book Club, Total Competition Lessons and Strategy from Formula One. I think this is the Ferrari edition because it's just a book with empty pages. You can't make heads <laughs> or tails of this. But,
2: yeah, anyway, so they – Jenny Rick has a slow stop. I think it was like 10 seconds or whatever. Loses a bunch of time. Loses a bunch of track position. But then Lanzo, Lando gets absolutely screwed because they don't have his tires ready. They mount a fresh set of mediums when he was supposed to go in the hards and then they're all bumbling around and they finally get him out. I think it was, he was stopped for 18 seconds during that first safety car. So he loses any form of a cheap pit stop total front to back. I think it was like 40 seconds line to line in in the, in the, uh, uh, during that pit, the safety car and takes a speeding penalty during that, a five second speeding penalty. So, it was just a, a cluster. I think he came out in 17th or 16th or something at that point and just shows his class again because he was able to recover even after all the problems. Actually, he ended up in 15th, didn't he? But he, he was, I think, closer to the points. Danny Rick is just a lost cause, has no pace. I, I don't know what to do with him. Because he qualified, what was it, P nine, and said like he he didn't have the pace or whatever. And again, supposedly there was an engine issue, something like that, during the race. But he was in no man's land and getting passed by Guan Yu Zhou, or Zhou Guan Yu. See, I can't even get it straight now. Thanks, you've cursed me.
1: No, no, I've clearly rattled me. you. Yep, it's what I do. Much like I cursed Checo this weekend. I will say this. Engine issues are the new supply chain issues in terms of my new go-to excuse anytime <laughs> yes. something goes wrong in my life. I'm just like, engine issues. Sorry.
2: Power units not functioning.
1: Yep, that's what it is. Yep. Speaking of Bluetooth. <laughs> oh, man.
0: Yeah, McLaren, I don't know. It's just, it was... I, anytime you see... Car stacked in the pit lane. I mean, I just, I don't, I just feel like that's unacceptable.
1: Nick, I will give you the opportunity to amend your hot take. How many pole positions now that we're, let's say a third of the season through, do you want to take away from that Lando six podiums? Do we want to go reduce it to four, three? What are you thinking?
0: <laughs> uh, I... I don't know. I, I, I mean, I'm I'm optimistic, but yeah, I, I would say it's it's closer to uh, potentially like three tops. That's being very no. generous. Now
1: yeah, you should ask me how my three teams not scoring points all season predictions doing. So we're all good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but
2: I mean, yeah, long season ahead. Uh, but to answer your very last question Rohit, about Alpine versus McLaren. I could totally see them the way that Ocon and Alonso are driving with the speed they have in that Renault power unit uh, beating McLaren and the constructors if things stay the same. However, this is kind of a seg—not a good segue, but they did talk about pre-race and because of the last race in Baku, mostly about Mercedes, but because of everyone's porpoising and the danger and uh, health concerns— The FIA did come out with a uh, formal document intent to whatever, manage this porpoising problem and not leave it up to the teams. And then they – I still don't have a bunch of clarity about how they're going to police this, but it sounds like they're going to do maximum vertical G that they can – that they can bounce or like how hard they can bounce. But there's a lot of like confusion around like, what if they're close to the ground and they hit a bump and that causes them to go up and down, not like the aerodynamics forcing them to go up and down on a certain frequency, whatever, whatever.
1: Um, So it's a threshold policy that they're essentially saying you can't exceed X. Well, that, but to your point
2: that, yeah, that's what they're talking about. And it sounds like there's certain teams, obviously that, that uh suffer worse from this but it seems a bit strange for them to like step in and say oh we're gonna take action we just don't really know how we're gonna do it totally yet but it feels like it's gonna peg back a bunch of teams that have been performing uh mercedes being one of them which is strange because they were one of the loudest voices in the room complaining about that um and this weekend we come to Canada and you didn't see a ton of porpoising or loss in lap time or super high riding cars. You could tell that the cars were riding a little bit higher um, than they were in Say Baku. But uh, it's just strange to me that there's all this conversation around it before the weekend. The weekend happens. Nobody's really bouncing that bad, including the Mercedes, which has probably been the worst defender. And then they get a 3 4 out of it. So.
1: Did you also hear about the scuttlebutt that took place behind the constructors' meeting? Apparently, Matteo Benato and Toto Wolf got into a yelling match. And guess who happened to be in the room for said yelling match? but the Netflix cameras. And what was the subject that they were yelling about was the porpoising, so here you go. If you need to know what one plot point for a future episode is, I present to you the porpoising exhibit.
2: Zero chance that sees the light of day.
1: Really Yeah, no okay. way. F one. How about this? Another one of our crazy bets. I bet you one footlong meatball sub because this episode is gonna be titled <laughs> the Meatball Flag Episode that we will see that.
2: <laughs> okay, bet. I'm not a big fan of the meatball, but I will not have I will not have Nick for this Nick's yeah, slander no, about kidding. Subway, which is absolutely <laughs> fine food. It's not great, but it's fine. I'll eat it all day. Well better.
1: Subway is the Nico Hulkenberg of Fast Food Places. It's gonna do a job for you. It may even be magical for a race or two, but it's never gonna win first place.
0: I mean, I stand by my statement on Subway. There goes our fucking
2: sponsorship. Yeah, really. Come on, man. You gonna say you don't you won't take a blue chew sponsorship either? Man <laughs> manscaped?
1: Come on. Magic spoon. Here's what we do: we take the blue chew, we put it in the footlong, and then we get another footlong. <laughs> let's end the episode. We all have families. It's Father's Day for crying out loud. Okay, we can we can wrap. Oh, There's still so, so much to
2: happen in the race, but
1: we'll save it for our Friday episode.
0: Well, so we, we got to talk about the 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 Checo walk yes, through the let's woods, do that. right? And. You said there's what, – what did you say about snakes?
2: Yeah, I, I saw it on, I think, Twitter that the – so Checo, man, did he have a bad weekend? He just sends it into the wall in qualifying. So he qualifies like P16 or whatever and then the race engine blows up. It, uh, shout out to Rohit for cursing him on that one pre-race.
1: And nailing two-thirds of the podium. Damn you, Russell. <laughs>
2: Uh, I well, I predicted Alonso to be on the podium, so can't fare much better. Yeah, that was feasible. But, so he he uh, his his engine popped, and uh, the circuit de Gilles Villeneuve. I can't say it in French very well, but is on a man-made island in a man-made lake or what river? I don't know what the hell it is, but it's surrounded by water. And there's it's very foresty surrounding the track, but it's like really close to the water in some edges. Um, and he had to like walk next to the water, and apparently, there's a bunch of water snakes surrounding the racetrack that are, uh, you know, local to there. So he was like walking through the woods. Amazing pictures came out of that, by the way. Um, and yeah there's apparently he was like walking through like a super infested water snake area that that's what I read on I don't know if it's true, but it was on Twitter, so it's gotta be right
0: yeah exactly i mean that's it's pretty amazing, and the photos yeah also amazing but
2: all right is it time to Do fantasy Let's do it In it it short today Alright We're going to talk about The League that shall not be named The exhaust notes Well Did I just get logged out again? Man this thing sucks Alright we're not going to talk about that one Because it just logged me out I don't want to try to get logged back in have already wait so we'll move on to the official discord uh fantasy league was a big week and special shout out to mario banuelos uh mario b uh mario restores your customiz- customizer's favorite customizer um check him out on uh instagram at mario restores two r's but he had a big week. He was number one overall in Canada with uh, 209 points, followed by what? Bert Tappin That Ass with 196. I was in third with 191. Uh, Rohit, Rohisi, uh in sixth place with 156. And Speeding Burritos, Nick, not a great showing, uh, 16th place. Uh, with 99 points. Overall standings for this league are Alpha Ash Ari still, Mega Drive is still in first place with 17.35, followed by for Tapping That Ass with uh, 16.84. Al Haas, no breaks. Shout out A Ron with 16.75. I'm in P4. Uh, Rohit, you're in P6. And... Nick, you're not last.
1: Hey. Ho. Oh. Okay. Hey. Ho.
2: <laughs> and now for the what on earth are you doing with the format of the Google Sheet, Rohit? I see you. You will
1: see. Okay. You will
2: see. For Canada, we had uh, – I was in last place with 36 points followed by Aaron with 47 points. Uh, P2 – was uh the carlos science of the week nick with 57 points and rohit crushing it yet again uh with 64 points so season totals on that we have uh Aaron in P4 with 418 uh nick is in P3 with 436 i'm P2 with 443 and uh brohizi keeps crushing it uh, like I said, with 485, he's just pulling away.
1: Uh, let's not go that far yet. I am not the max, but I will say that Nick has a lot of Carlos signs to his gene pool, and by that I mean he's nice, he's kind, and he has dreamy eyes. So I will gladly take that as a compliment. <laughs> I just want to
2: thank uh, Yuki Sonoda for coming out of a pit stop with cold tires and immediately <laughs> crashing to give me two DNFs this week. Thanks for that, Yuki.
1: He was very subdued during the message, which was a improvement for him because I was expecting a first stop and like, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? Why did you do this to me? He owned his mistake and I enjoy that about the new mature Yuki.
0: <laughs> I mean, that this just goes to show that the. Uh, our exhaust notes pod draft is is the best way to run a Formula One fantasy league
1: yeah i agree with that
0: it It gets way closer than the others absolutely
1: and not only that we reward every driver because every driver is a winner and that's brought to you by the george w bush education policy no child left behind we're all winners here
2: (laughs) i feel like it's more of a participation award type of league because nicholas satifi has a fair amount of points in this league and (laughs) bless his heart he's
1: canadian He's Canadian. Bless his heart, indeed. I'm sure he's done a lot of nice things, and he's never going to professionally get recognized for it. But that's why our league is there, to give the Nicholas Latifis of the world a chance to shine.
0: I mean, we give the guy a hard time, but he is in the worst car on the grid, right? So
2: maybe, what's worse, the car or the maybe driver? He deserves
0: yeah, the, the driver. I mean.
2: OK, fair. I mean, like, <laughs> Albon's put in the points twice and is seemingly always on like fighting towards the front of the back half of the grid in a terrible car poor old nikki bless his heart i'll say that southern diss again um i mean i i feel bad for the for the guy he's rattled after what he went through last year with the ending and like the death threats and all that stuff like that can't be good for you i'm sure he's no. a perfectly sir Perfectly serviceable driver, but your your uh, your time has come, sir. Bow out gracefully. Go cry into your millions of dollars of Safina Foods, and um, I mean, his girlfriend is quite attractive as well. So good for him.
1: I'm I'm sure that is the case. As is the case with most Formula One drivers.
0: Right. But- is there any chance that he gets replaced before the season's yeah. end?
2: No chance. So, okay. Well, we were supposed to end, but we'll talk about this quickly. Um, yes, bring it. in the pre-race interviews, etc. cetera, Saftner was was uh, <coughs> interviewed, and they asked him directly, "Will we see Oscar Piastri in a seat in F one?" In 2023, And he said, yes, flat out. Yes. Right. So that's basically fulfilling all the rumors that Oscar Piastri is going to be on loan to Williams as part of their new partnership in taking the Renault engines, whatever. So that's pretty much set in stone now. Then they asked him, will he be on the grid this year? And he said, we'll see. And then they kept pressing into him and he's like, you guys have as much information as I do, you know, kind of walking it back a little bit. But the rumor is that this week we should see him be replaced by Oscar Piastri at Williams prior to the British Grand Prix.
1: Really? Wow. All right. You hear Woge Bombs be damned. You've got Yate nukes. <laughs>
2: We'll see if it happens. I could totally see it happening. Uh, Williams doesn't need the money anymore now that Doralton Capital is um, running the helm or owning the helm, I should say. Uh, why it makes sense to me. Like Latifi's been, you know, a good part of the team, communicates well in development or whatever, but can't drive the car fast enough. Why not get him in? Give him half a year to get used to the car before next next
0: season. Makes total sense to me.
1: But the memes, guys, do it for the memes. Keep Nicholas Latifi racing. That's what I He'll say. He'll
2: always go out as Gotifi.
1: Yeah. Miss you, dog.
0: All right. Well, Todd, I guess you you should start start us off with the with the closing uh, statements. How, how how can people find more Yates nukes on Twitter? Uh, Instagram?
2: Yeah. <laughs> on Twitter uh, at T E Z F one. On Instagram at TEZ. Most importantly, follow us uh, ExhaustNotes.fm, ExhaustNotes.fm, all the social media platforms, and come, you know, talk mess in the Discord with us.
1: Talk sloppy to us on IG, specifically me at roadm 13 on Twitter. If that's your drug of choice, I'm at Roheasy and Nick. Where can they find you?
0: I'm at Nick Ingval on all the platforms. But like Todd said. Follow Exhaust Notes FM on it, all the platforms and uh, hit the first link in the description to join us on the Discord. Chop it up with us during the week between races. We'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks for rocking with us. Leave us a review if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate Please. it.
1: Nicholas Peace. Satifi, leave us a review. You don't have anything else going on. <laughs> Jesus.